Bible. Get your Bible out. Get your phone Bible out. Go to Galatians chapter 5. We're continuing our series. I say continuing. We're wrapping up our series on the fruit of the Spirit today. Come on, how many of you are ready to get out of this series? Okay, good. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, although we are, though. Sorry. Sorry to tell you. Galatians 5, uh, we started this series at the first Sunday in September. It's been, that, it's been that long. First Sunday in September, 10 different messages on it. We've had a few guest speakers in between. But today, we're finally wrapping it up. And, and um, if you would, go ahead, Josiah, and start my timer. I... Uh, I want to be sensitive to time this morning as we have our Thanksgiving baskets uh, that are going to be given away right after service, and I hope that you are going to stick around and help out with that, and if you need a basket, as Kristen said during announcements, please make sure you leave this place uh, with a Thanksgiving basket. It is our honor and it's our privilege, and I mean that, to, to be able to just be a conduit to see you blessed and see uh, some needs in your life met. But before I do that, before we get in the message, before we go over there, I want to honor a special group of people. Chad just stepped out, but I want to honor our youth ministry. Uh, they are going to convention this week. If you're going to convention, would you stand? Just go ahead. Yes, yeah, 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 all of you. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Praise the Lord. And uh, so we're just going to be praying for them. The Lord would be with you guys, that he would keep you safe, uh, but that he, he would also just straight up mess you up. Like, can we pray that? Like that you would just get Holly. I, I want to see uh, you just get. <laughs> I'm just no, I'm sincere. I pray the Lord would touch your lives in a beautiful and powerful way. All of you that um, that His work in your life would progress even further as you go to Nashville this uh, coming week before Thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. So you guys be praying for them. What day do you leave, Holly? You leave Tuesday and get back like late Wednesday or. Thursday morning, like 1 a.m. Yeah, so be praying for them. Be praying for the drivers on the way back, especially, and uh, and all the leaders and you, all of you. It's gonna be great. Um, Galatians chapter five. Would you all stand as we read the word together, just in honor of the scriptures? These are Paul's words to the churches in the region of Galatia. It's not just one church there. It was many churches throughout the region. And I want you to keep in mind, he's, he's, he's writing to Christians. He's writing to believers. So this is for us, right? This is for me and you. He says, I say to you, walk by the Spirit. Everybody say that word, walk. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What's the flesh? The flesh is that part of you. It's not your skin. It's not, it's not your physical body. But that, the flesh is that part of you that wants to be God, not be submitted to God. That's the flesh. He says, for the desires of the flesh, they are against the spirit. They don't line up. They're not the same. And the desires of the spirit, they're against the flesh. They are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. He says, but if you are led by the spirit, say that word, led. Walk, led, and we're going to have another one here in a moment. If you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, what he's saying is if the Holy Spirit is in charge of your life, you do not have to worry if you are making the right decisions or the wrong decisions. You don't have to worry if something is a sin or not a sin because the Holy Spirit will lead you in the way that you should live. 
He says, if, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. We don't have to wonder what they are. They're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Remember, he's writing to Christians. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, everybody say, but. But. One T but, right? The fruit of the Spirit. The evidence of the Spirit. The product of letting the Holy Spirit lead your life. Can we read these together? Is love and joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says, these things, there's no law against these things. You can have, Sarah, you can be as loving as you can possibly be. And at no point in your life is the Holy, going, Holy Spirit going to con convict you of being too loving. Right? Uh, Eli, you can be as full of joy as you could possibly be, as you obviously always, no, I was kidding. Yeah, there it is. There's the joy, Holly. I saw it. There's the joy. You can be so full of joy that it irritates everyone around you, right? But the Holy Spirit is never going to get irritated with your joy. You know, come on. You, you can be as, as kind. You can be the, the, as kind as anyone has ever seen. You, your life could just be overflowing with generosity and kindness and goodness and, and, and all those things. And the Holy Spirit is never going to be like, Isaiah, you are just too kind. You just got to stop being so kind and good. You got to stop that. That's never going to happen. There's no law against that. You can enjoy these fruit. You know, like you could, you know, I, I don't eat a lot of fruit in case you didn't know. But, but, and so you don't ever have to worry about me eating too much fruit. But, you know, you can't eat too many bananas, right? You can't eat too many apples, right? Uh, but you can never have too much fruit of the Spirit. You can't do it. He says in verse 24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. They've, they've put the flesh to death. They've put to death that part of your life that wants to be God not, and not submit to God, right? crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's hearkening back to what Paul wrote earlier in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But it's not me who lives. It's Christ who lives in me, right? And then in verse 20, uh, 25, he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step. Say that. Keep in step. Let's try it again. One, two, three. Keep in step. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Father, thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would help me to remember that as I preach, this isn't about preaching a perfectly prepared message. But God, it is about being submitted to a perfect God. And that, Lord, over the next few moments, whether people are watching online, listening to the message at a later date, or here in the room with us, God, that your word will do the work that only it can do in us and through us, myself included, Lord. I need you to work in me today. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. Hey, one more time, can we give the Lord some celebratory praise?
Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. I want to hone in just for a moment on that verse 25. Now, we're talking about the fruit of self-control, but that verse 25 really stood out to me this week as I was preparing. It kind of surprised me. It was one of those things where I was getting ready to preach the message, really thought I would just be talking about self-control, but the more I prepared, the more I prayed, the more I read, and the more I studied, the more I realized that keeping in step with the Spirit completely and totally lines up with the fruit of self-control, the fruit of self-control. So the verb for keep in step is different. You remember when we first started reading the passage, we talked about walking in the Spirit or walking by the Spirit. But the the phrase in Greek for keep in step is different than the, the word for walk, and it means to march in step with a commander so that you can go where he or she is going. Does that make sense? And, and so therefore, the, the conclusion that we draw is that the Holy Spirit must be included in every move we make if we truly want the Holy Spirit to lead our lives. It makes me think of the, the Christian song, every move I make, I make. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Marshall's, Marshall raising his hand. Yeah, there you go, Sarah. You want to get up and do the motions for us? No, you don't have to. You would. You would. You would. But I, I've only got 30 minutes left, and that would take a little while, right? So, so that's, a, uh, that's a, every move I make must be led by the Holy Spirit. And then we, when we make that decision, and we make that decision a consistent reality of our life, where the Holy Spirit is in charge of the big decisions of my life, where the Holy Spirit is in charge of the small decisions of my life, where the Holy Spirit is in charge of the, the godly or ungodly decisions of my life, then that leads me to living a life of victory over sin, over the flesh, right? The flesh that wants to be God, not, not submit to God. And it leads to a life overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit. You see, if you will follow the Spirit's leading, you don't have to try to be more loving, right? The Holy Spirit will lead you in ways in your life that the natural byproduct of His leadership will make you become, or at least produce in the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in you of love, right? You don't have to try to be more kind or more gentle. Those things will be the natural byproduct of going where He goes, doing what He does, behaving how He behaves. And so... You might be thinking, you're probably not, but let's just pretend that you are, that why are we talking about keeping in step with the Spirit if we're talking about the fruit of self-control? Because the fruit of the Spirit, or rather the Holy Spirit, leads us right, but why is it called self-control? Does that make sense? I kind of got confused on my words there. I thought the fruit of the Spirit was about the Holy Spirit leading us, right, Chad? Not about me, self, leading me. Now you with me? Three of you are good enough, good enough for me, okay? So let me say this as a qualifying statement for everything that we're going to cover today. The Holy Spirit will lead us, but he will not lead us without the active cooperation of our own will. Let me say it again. You guys with me? All right. The Holy Spirit will and wants to lead us. But he will not lead us without the active cooperation 
of our will. That's why Paul says if we live by the Spirit, if our life has been changed by the Spirit, then let us also keep in step with the Spirit. There is a cooperative effect that happens where the Holy Spirit has changed my life and He is continually changing my life. And so in order to to continue to become who He's making me to be, I have to keep in step with Him. I have to keep in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us. I know this might be a little confusing, but just hang on tight because I think it will make sense for us in the end. The Holy, Spirit's, uh, the Holy Spirit leads us because we are to keep in step with Him. So just imagine it like this. Just imagine in your life uh, you are given a gift of someone who will be with you everywhere you go. Uh, and anytime you have a question, you can ask this person for the answer because this person knows everything. This person knows more than Google knows. And not only does this person know everything about everything, this person knows you better than you know you. This person knows the hidden deep desires of your heart that make you tick, that that you would have to go to 10 years of therapy to understand about yourself, right? This person knows you better than you know you. And, And just imagine how convenient that would be in your life, that anytime you had a question, anytime that you were facing a decision, anytime you didn't understand something, you could go to this person and you could be like, hey, what should I do in this situation? Or, hey, I said this in response, but I don't know. There was something in me. I don't know what it is. Why did I do that? What, what is it about me that makes me do that? Has anybody ever asked those questions about yourself? Like, I just responded or I just reacted in this way, and that's not how I want to react. And that's not how I want to respond, but I did it anyway. And so just imagine you have this person in your life. Now, guess what? You don't have to imagine You have that person in your life, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows everything. The Holy Spirit knows you. There is no fact of history. There is no workings of this world. There's no inner dialogue within your own mind or self that the Holy Spirit does not know. So when you have big decisions, anybody ever face any big decisions in your life? Raise your hand real high. I'm going to make you uh, become an active participant with this message today. You know, maybe you were a teenager and you were graduating high school and you were trying to figure out what you were going to do next. If you're going to go to college, maybe you're going to join the military, maybe you're going to go join the workforce and you've got to make this decision. Well, guess what? If you have received Jesus and he is your Lord and Savior, you don't have to make this decision alone. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need to do. The Holy Spirit, if you will ask him and if you will tune your ear into his voice, he will tell you what you need to do. Listen, parents are great. Counselors are great. Uh, uh, People uh, that can help you and mentors and come alongside you are great. And you should always consult those people. But more than any of them, you first and most need to go ask, Holy Spirit, I'm facing a situation here. What should I do? Maybe, Maybe you are looking at changing jobs or changing careers and you're you're weighing the pros and the cons, right? You're looking at the money, you're looking at the benefits, you're looking at the time. Can I just tell you, the decision doesn't have to be that hard if, if everybody say if, if you will listen to the Holy Spirit because he will lead you. Maybe maybe one day you want to settle down and get married and have kids and, and you don't know who, you don't know how, you don't know when. The Holy Spirit will help you make these decisions. Maybe you've been praying about moving to another city and the Lord just told me you shouldn't do that. You should stay in Oak Ridge. So you don't even have to pray about that, right? Come on, that was funny. Come on. But in all sincerity, if 
if that, is a situ- if that situation has, has come up in your life, the Holy Spirit knows what you should do. And what you should do is listen to the Holy Spirit, be led by the Holy Spirit, and keep in step with the Holy Spirit. But how many of you know that life is, is so much more than big decisions? I mean, I'm not a statistician, and I've never done a study on this, but if I had to just make a a guess, I would say that the majority of life, 90% of life, is really found in the details, right? It's found in the small decisions. And let me just offer this piece of advice for you. Don't expect to be able to be led by the Holy Spirit when facing big decisions if you do not allow yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit when you make small decisions. It's not that he won't lead you. It's not that he's not talking. It's that you haven't trained your ear to hear his voice. Or maybe you've ignored it for so long, you no longer recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you, leading you. And so, if you don't believe God has a sense of humor, then I will destroy that belief today. Because the week before Thanksgiving, we are preaching on the fruit of self-control. Right? And I didn't plan it, y'all. I didn't know. I didn't know how it was going to land. I didn't know where it would fall. And so, so here we are talking about self-control. So let's talk about little decisions. Let's talk about the food we eat. Everybody's, I mean, come on. Let's just be real. Can I just say something hard for a little bit? Can I be confrontational? Not because I want to be, but because I felt like the Holy Spirit told me I had to be. And also, if I'm being very honest with you today, this sermon is at least 95% more for me than it is for you. You guys okay with that? Sometimes the preacher's got to get preached to, and sometimes the preacher's the one preaching to himself. Okay? But, but let's talk about the food we eat. Come on. How many of you know that in the church, gossip and gluttony are the two most accepted sins? Oh, man. It's going, yeah. Okay. It's going to be like that, right? They are, though. They are. They're the most celebrated. They're the most accepted. I got a prayer request. You ain't got a prayer request. You just want to talk about somebody else behind their back. Come on, let's have a potluck. No, you ain't having a potluck. You just got a pot belly, right? Come on. All right, all right. I'm sorry. You guys okay? Sitting in the herd today, I suppose, right? I was thinking about this as I was preparing the message. If I could undo every Little Debbie Christmas tree cake I've ever eaten in a moment, I bet you I'd lose 10 pounds just like that. Like, all of a sudden, these clothes would be too big for me instead of too tight for me, you know? (laughs) Um, Talking about food, talking about our our bodies, our physical bodies. Uh, The little decisions that we make about how we steward our physical body. You know, if I could go back in time and never have skipped a workout right? My biceps would be almost as big as Don's, you know? (laughs) And I was talking to Kristen about this the other day about, you know, how I wish I could go back to when my my first daughter was first born and and just start changing things then. And and I told her, I said, there are two decisions. This is kind of related, but kind of not. I said, there would be two main things I would change in my life. The first one is I would take better care of my body. The second one is I wouldn't worry so much. There's no telling how much life I've wasted to worry because I was more concerned about what I could do and less concerned about what God was doing in my life, right? So these little decisions that we make, the food that we eat, the body that we either choose to steward or to abuse, right? 
Paul is very confrontational about things like gluttony, about drunkenness, about taking care of our physical bodies, because Paul understood something that we would do really well to understand. And and I'm going to talk about this in a moment, that the reason why you are not in God's presence right now, the reason after the moment you became a Christian, you didn't just teleport like Scotty beaming someone up in Star Trek straight to heaven, is because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And that plan and purpose for your life is that you would be a messenger, uh, that you would be a witness to share the good news of Jesus. And listen, so many of us in the world today are cutting our own lives short because we're not taking care of the body the Lord's given us. And listen to me, my friend, I tell you this from a place of nothing but love as well as conviction in my own life. Are we okay? Is that many of us will stand before the Lord in judgment, having died premature deaths because we didn't take care of our bodies. And God will tell us, listen, I had so much more for you to do. I had so many more plans for you to accomplish. And there are people who will spend eternity separated from me because you didn't take care of what I gave you. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? Happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) Right? I told you I wanted to celebrate Christmas early, and you wouldn't let me, so here we are. (laughs) This is your fault, not mine. But these little decisions matter, right? The money that we spend or give or save or invest, the relationships that we choose to build up, or abuse, or neglect, right? The mind that God has given us, that we can either choose to submit to him and and allow him through the reading of his word and, and through educating ourselves, we can either sharpen it or we can spend our time scrolling TikTok or watching Netflix and allow it to become dull and dumb. I didn't come to mince words with you today because if the Lord's going to make me have to hear this for myself, then I'm sorry, but you've got to hear it too. The little decisions about how we steward the calling or the anointing or the spirit that God's put in us. Are you cultivating the call of God in your life or are you wasting it? You know, many years ago that the Lord had put something, a burden on your heart, but Instead of committing yourself to seeing that come into fruition, you've just ignored it and you've turned your back on that. Talking with my wife and I said, you know, I wish I could go back. I wish I had a time machine. Man, if I could just go back and and know then what I know now. I would do so many things differently. But we can't go back, can we? You know, I hear people say all the time, Oh, you know, if I could change things in my life, I wouldn't change a thing. And, and I think that's crazy, just to be honest with you. Because there would be so many conversations where I lost my temper and said hurtful things. I would change that. There's so many times where I chose the easy way instead of the good way. I would go back and I would change that. There's so many times where I've, I've wasted money on frivolous things that I would, I would invest it in kingdom resources. I would change that. So many times where where instead of investing in the call of God on my life and learning his word and studying the word, preparing myself to better preach the word, I just wasted it playing games or watching TV or doing things that don't matter. I'm not trying to be heavy today, but here we are. 
We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about keeping step in the, with the Spirit. And I know, you know, I love amens. I love y'all shouting at me. I love you going, that's good. And I know you're not going to do that today. I don't like it, but I know you're not going to do it. Some of you may even be a little upset with me, but it's not because I'm saying wrong things. It's because we're not prepared to hear the right things. You guys okay? All right. So, so but... We want God to, to lead us when we make big decisions because we want to make the right decision. But before we can trust God and be able to hear the Lord lead us in the big things, we have to allow him to lead us in the small things. The things that we easily overlook, the things that we don't even give a thought to because we're so used to living our life the way we want to do. But, but the scriptures make it very clear that our lives have been bought with the price and the price was the blood of Jesus on the cross. In other words, you don't belong to you. So you don't have the right to make decisions for you. Now, I know that right then and there, that's a difficult statement to hear. But listen, my friend, if Jesus is your Savior, he must also be your Lord. And this is the life that you signed up for. You okay? Yeah. And so, so big decisions, little decisions. What about God-honoring decisions versus God-dishonoring decisions? You know, we can choose to either live in sin or we can choose to pursue sanctification. We can be a heathen, right? Or we can choose holiness, right? The flesh or the spirit. You know, and so like just little things that came to my mind, like we, we, will you choose to click the scandalous link on your phone that popped up that would lead you straight to a porn site? No one will know. No one will know. It's just on my phone. You know, the Lord knows. And I guarantee you it's bringing death to your other relationships. How will you respond to that person who hurt you or made you angry? Will you give them what you feel like they deserve or will you give them what they need? Will you skip this month's tithe because you're saving up for something that you have deemed more important than honoring God with your finances? Will you tell that lie to make yourself look better to others or will you be truthful and honest even if it makes you look bad? Will you set aside time in prayer or time to spend time in prayer and to spend time in his word or will you continue to waste your time scrolling, watching and playing? Will you use your words to build up or will you use your words to tell down? Will you engage in that risque relationship at your workplace even though you have made a covenant to your spouse that you only have eyes for them? You okay? You see, when it comes to keeping in step with the Spirit, when it comes to making godly decisions in our life, we cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. And this isn't about willpower. Anybody ever tried that before? You know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat right. That's an easy one for me to go to because I've, I've done that, I, I don't know, a thousand times. I'm gonna eat better this week. Kristen, Monday's coming. I'm not gonna, I'm not, no sweets for me. And then Tuesday night, I deserve this Christmas tree cake. I've done really good for 36 hours. I have earned this treat, right? You know, it's not about willpower because willpower is rooted in me. But this is about listening and being empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? Right? This is about listening to and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's about Holy Spirit sensitivity. In Zechariah 4, 6, uh, a very often quoted verse in Pentecostal churches when I was a child uh, the prophet writes, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And if you know the context of this verse, 
this, the context revolves around they were rebuilding the Old Testament temple and it was taking a lot of time and, and they were trying to do things their way instead of God's way and God intervened and this is a super short summary so you need to go read it for yourself. God eventually comes to them and says You're, this is going to get done, it's going to get accomplished but it won't be because of your power, it won't be because of your might, it won't be because of your skill, it won't be because of what you can do, it will be because of my spirit who will empower you and enable you and who will help you and lead you. And so, so this is the connection that I made to this when I read this. Since the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all who have received Jesus as Savior, according to what Paul writes to the church at Corinth, we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. You connecting the dots here for me? We don't, we don't go and worship at a temple. This church is not a temple. This, is, this, this church is not a sacred building. This church is just you know sheetrock and some brick and some mold, right? And so this, this church isn't sacred in and of itself. This isn't a holy place, but we are a holy people set apart for his purposes, right? We are a holy priesthood, okay? We are the temple of God. And so we are being renewed and we are being rebuilt into the people that God has made us to be. And it won't come through willpower. It won't come through our efforts. It will only come through the Holy Spirit at work in us. Amen? We cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. But, everybody say but, the Holy Spirit will not do it without us. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit will not do it without us. You see, the Holy Spirit desires to lead us in every decision of our life, big, small, seemingly insignificant, good or bad. But he will not force us. And whether we're talking about producing the fruit of the Spirit, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, or keeping in step with the Spirit. He doesn't just take over your body. He doesn't just take over your mind and make you do the right things. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will instruct you. But those, those following through are predicated on two things. Are you listening? And are you obeying? And, and the more you ignore his voice, the more difficult it will be to hear his voice. And the less you obey his voice, the, the, the harder it will be for you to hear him speaking to you. And so that's why Jesus says in John 14, 6, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Everybody say helper. And he will be with you forever. In the Greek, helper is translated parakletos. Do you know what that means? It means helper. Right? It means helper. It's the Holy Spirit. That's who the helper is. But there's also some other definitions that go along with it. Another one is counselor. Another one is encourager. And another one, if you break it down even further, is someone who comes alongside you and helps you. Right? Someone who comes alongside and helps you. Paul writes the church at Philippi, and he says, My beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out. Everybody say, work out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I want to tell you how I've read that phrase oftentimes, and it's not correct. I've often read work out your own salvation as figure out your own salvation. But that's not what Paul says. He says, work out your own salvation. 
for it is God who works in. Everybody say, works in. We got, I do the working out, and God does the working in. Does that make sense? Or in actuality, God does the working in first, and then I do the working out. He says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, let me say it like this. Salvation starts with God. How many of you understand you can't save yourself? No amount of good works will save you, right? Amen? Right. That's why Jesus says this when he's talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave. For God. See, it starts with God. And then God's the one who gave the gift, who gave the way. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Amen. Paul would write the church at Ephesus, and he would say this in Ephesians chapter 2. He would say, For by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not your own doing, right? This, you, can't, you can't take credit for this. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works. That's why you can't brag about it. None of us in this room, no matter how good of a life you are living, can brag about your salvation. Because no amount of good works could have ever earned your salvation. The only reason today that we are saved is not because of what I've done or what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. Amen? He said, he said your, your salvation is not a result of works. He says, we are his workmanship. The NLT translates that word workmanship to masterpiece. The Greek word is poema. Masterpiece. It means to, to the work of his hands. I always find it unique that in the story of creation, God speaks everything into existence. He says, let there be light, and there's light. He says, let there be earth, and there's earth, and so on and so forth. But when he gets to humanity, it's very distinct in how it says that God formed with his hands, right? Formed humanity from the dust of the earth. And then he gave us a beautiful gift. He gave us part of himself, and he breathed the breath of life into Adam, and he became alive, right? And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. It gives us life. We are the work of his hand, created in Christ Jesus for good works, the works that God prepared beforehand that we should do them, that we should walk in them. You guys still with me? Let me say it like this. My salvation is not rooted in my good works, but my good works are rooted in my salvation. My salvation is not a product of me doing the right thing and living the right way, but me choosing to do the right things and me choosing to live the right way is a product of my salvation. And he is the one who helps us to want to do what is right. And he is the one who gives us the ability to do what is good. Okay, try to focus with me, okay? I know, there's a lot right here, a lot of teaching today. So as God works in me, I must work out, okay? As God does a good work in me, I must work to get the good out of me. Let me give you an example. Okay, 
Let's say I want to get in shape, right? I want to, I want to get, I want to, there it is, right there. I want, that's what I want. Although I don't think I can get that tall, no matter how much I work out. Maybe if I just hang on the bar and get really stretch, like stretch for a long time, right? But let's say I want to work out. And, and how many of you have ever tried to, to get in good shape? Anybody? Let me see your hand. Okay. How many of you have worked hard enough and you have learned the secret is, is less about what you do in the gym, but more about what you do in the kitchen, right? Isn't that just the worst thing? I don't mind working out, but man, I hate not eating chocolate and bacon. But anyway, so let's just imagine, for example, that someone has gifted you an amazing private gym. I'm talking like there is every machine that you could ever imagine. You've got treadmills, you've got bench presses, you've got cable machines, you've got, you've got everything, right? You've just got it all. And there's no one in there to, to distract you. There's no one in there acting weird that you can't, you're like, what are they doing over there? You ever been there before? This is tricep pushdowns, by the way, right? You know, you, all the things. And, and so it's just yours. And you've, whatever music you want to listen to, whatever temperature you want it to be at, whatever you want to, it's, it's there for you. And, and not only has this person gifted you with this gym, they've also given you a private personal chef who will cook any meal you want any time of the day, right? You can go in as long as it's healthy, as long as it's good for you, right? There's no fried Oreos uh, that you're probably, you're, you know what I'm saying? Mm, that sounds good right about now. Um, you know, so that any meal, any time of the day. So, because for a lot of us, the problem that we have is, you know, we, we, we don't have time to cook or we don't know what to cook, all the things. But now you've got a private shelf and you've got a private gym and, and all the stuff. And so what is essentially, what, what Paul is saying is that God has given us every tool that we need to become the kind of people that he's called us to be, to become the men and women of God. And the, and the primary tool that he's talking about is the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit that doesn't just live with you, but the Holy Spirit who lives in you. The Holy Spirit that when you have a question, he's got the answer. The Holy Spirit that when you have a need, he's the one who knows how to meet the need. The Holy Spirit who even when you don't know how to pray... Paul says in the, to the church at Rome, we'll pray for you, interceding for you, right? And, and that's, that's the tools, right? But so now let's go back to the gym and let's go back to the private chef. And now you've got every tool you need to get in the best shape of your life. But, but you're, instead of, of working out in this private gym, instead of taking advantage of this private chef that you have, you are ordering McDonald's through DoorDash and having it sent to your house while you play Call of Duty all day every day and I know that's funny right but like how silly would that be right you're like okay I want to get in shape and so here you go here's this awesome gym and here's this awesome chef now you have to do the working out God's done the working in God's worked it in right he's given you what you need but you still got to put it into action You've still got to do the work. So, God's saying, I've given you everything you need to become everything I've called you to be. But you're still eating McDonald's, sitting on the couch. You've got to get up. You've got to get to work. Not the kind of works to get saved, but the kind of works you do because you've been saved. Like, get, 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 get uncomfortable for a moment. Put some sweat into it. Work out your salvation. 
with fear and trembling. Why are you, why, why fear and trembling? Because you know God's given you a mission and God's given you a purpose. And if you don't get up and work it out, you will waste it and you will squander it and you will stand before him and he will look you in the eyes and he'll say to you, I had so much more for you. If you would have just gotten up, if you would have just gotten to work, but instead you settled for so much less. And man, come on. I know in my own life, I settled for so much less than God's best so many times. I've chosen the easy over the better so many times. But if we really want to be the people, men and the men and the women of God that God's called us to be, we've got to take advantage of the tools that he's given us. And the primary tool that he's given us is his spirit who lives in us, who lives through us, who has given us the ability to love the unlovable, right? Who's given us the, the, the ability to have joy in us even when everything around us is going to hell, to have peace when, when our minds would normally be filled with anxiety because of the situations that we can't control. We know that, that there is peace in us because we stand before God and we know that we are called sons and daughters and, and my, my God owns everything, my God knows everything and so I don't have to live in worry, right? Come on. What's the next one? I forgot. I can be patient. Not because it's my personality. You see, when, when I gave my life to Jesus, my, my personality got up on the cross and died. That's just how I am. Well, then, that, that who you are needs to get back on that cross. Right? God's given us everything we need to be everything he's called us to be. But we have to get up and we have to work it out. God has worked it in us. In other words, let me say it like this. This process of, of, of self-control and keeping in step with the Spirit is really about making real out here what God has already made real in here. Does that track? God works in, we work out daily, moment by moment. In other words, you could, instead of self-control, you could actually say self-discipline. It would mean the same thing. And discipline in its most basic form is choosing what I want most over what I want in the moment. And it's not just about the big stuff, guys. It's almost always really about the small stuff. Paul, here's another example for you, and I promise I'm going to finish soon. Raise your, wave at me if you're okay. All right. I see a few of you struggling back there. I'm praying for you, okay? He says, don't, don't you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? This is 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, so run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. 2,000 years ago, when athletes would compete in the, you know, the Roman Olympics or whatever it was called, I think it was called the Olympics, the, the prize was like a, a wreath that they would wear over their heads. And it was real. They didn't buy it at Hobby Lobby. It was, real, it was real, a real plant, right? Woven up into a wreath, and they would wear that. But eventually... Those, that, those leaves would brown and, and die, right? Because 
they were disconnected. They, he said, they do it to receive something that doesn't last. And whether we're talking gold medals or Super Bowl rings or, or, or trophies or any other kind of award, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. It will not last. It will be forgotten. It will rust. It will get destroyed. It will get lost. It will become in some way or capacity worthless at some point in time. Right? They do it to receive something that doesn't last. In verse 26, he says, so I don't run aimlessly. I set my gaze on Jesus is what he's saying. I don't run. I don't just run around. I set my gaze on Jesus, and I do not box as one beating the air. He's, he's given this illustration of fighting. But, but then verse 27, he's basically saying, I discipline myself. I, I, I take that flesh back up there and I, and I put it back on the cross and I crucify it. I discipline myself. I discipline my body to keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I'm getting, I'm, I'm about done. Many of us are really good at a lot of things that simply do not matter. Right? That's the perishable wreath. We've got things in our garage, things in our attic, things in our storage rooms, things in our house that we worked really hard to get that now just collect dust. We'll get lessons, we'll watch YouTube videos, we'll buy equipment, we'll spend unknown amounts of time, money, and energy towards particular hobbies and skills and goals. Can I just tell you, I'm not saying those are bad things to do. I hear my heart, like, you understand, right? I'm not saying that's bad, but what if, say what if, what if we put forth that same kind of effort, that same kind of discipline, running after, chasing after, working towards the things of God in our life, right? Because that crown, that prize, that trophy, it's not, it, it, it will last. It won't get lost, it won't get stolen, it won't get rusty, it won't get eaten by moths. That's real treasure. That's real stuff right there, amen? I want to encourage you, if you would, just stand to your feet this evening, this afternoon. It's not this morning, I know that. I hope you know, I said some hard stuff in this message, but I hope you understand that before I ever said them to you, the Lord said them to me. And that's where it, come, that's where it comes from today. And I know it's not New Year's, and I know it's too early to make resolutions. Y'all won't even let me celebrate Christmas yet, much less 2024 coming in. But maybe today we could go ahead and jumpstart our New Year's resolution. Not to get in shape, although many of us would do well to do that because we want to be better stewards of our body, right? Come on, let's be real about it. Not to get financially healthy, although for many of us that would also be a wise decision to make. But a resolution that we would resolve it within ourselves to listen to the voice of God, to listen to the Holy Spirit. And then when he goes this way, we go with him. When he goes this way, we go with him. Whenever we're making any decisions in our life, whether they be big, whether they be big decisions, whether they be small decisions or, or decisions of, that we might think something's right or wrong, that we would, before we act, that we would ask and that we would listen. And then when we, when we hear the answer, that we would obey that our ears would tune in to his voice because he's speaking. He's talking to us. The question isn't whether or not he's speaking. The question is whether or not we are willing to listen and to obey. So if you're willing to make that resolution with me today, just as a sign of unity and surrender to the Lord, 
Would you just lift your hands and worship for a moment? Come on, all around the room. Father, we love you, and we are thankful today for the new life that is given to us because of the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus. Lord, I pray that as we make the decisions today to focus on the things of God, to surrender ourselves to the voice of God, that you would give us the sensitivity to hear and then the courage to obey, that we would live our lives keeping in step with the Spirit, honoring you to the best of our ability. And no doubt, God, occasionally we will go off course. Occasionally we will mess up. But God, help us to embrace the sweet conviction of your Spirit and to respond as you pull us back on track, God, not to resist, but to respond and to go where you are leading us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask one more question. Today, if you are far from the Lord, maybe you have never truly committed your life to Jesus, or maybe you did in the past, but you know you're far from the Lord, and you would like to commit your life to Him, just right where you are. One more time, would you lift your hand high in the air so I can pray for you? I see you, sweetie. I see you, babe. Lifehouse, can we pray this together? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life as my Savior and my Lord. In everything I do, I want to live for you. I want to honor you. I want to hear your voice, and I want to obey. In Jesus' name. Hey, can we celebrate these four people?